Winston Churchill once said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher. He works for Beacon Roofing. His name is Reggie Brock. How you doing, Reggie? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing good, man. I'm glad that you're on the show today. I, uh, I've been following your content for a little while before I met you. Heard a lot of great things about you. Um, and I want to get into some of that stuff. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, tell me about Reggie. Tell me about uh, where you grew up, where you came from, how you got all the way to the point where you're at now. So it's, it's a story with lots of stops. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of try to condense it. Let's keep it. Yeah, we'll keep it high level. We'll yeah, we'll uh, we'll have some fun with it. I was uh, raised in a preacher's home. My dad's a Pentecostal preacher, so uh, I was raised around church my whole life. Actually, ended up going to Bible college and uh, left Bible college and went into the ministry. And so, uh, I married during that time and divorced during that time. And when I divorced. Uh, I had to find a new career. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that too much, right? It really doesn't really work out real well. And so uh, I had to find something to do and jumped into the insurance business. And I was in the insurance business for 25 years on the property side. And so learned a lot from the carrier standpoint. And uh, one day... Uh, after my second wife and I, who's my current wife of 31 years. Wow. I met her. She's a sweetheart, too. Two years, actually. Actually, <laughs> 33, it's about to be 33. So, hey, hey, once you get past 30, who's counting, right? <laughs> She's probably counting. So if she listens, to the, she listens to this, she'll probably give you a little smack upside your head. But Okay. That won't be the first time. And I promise you probably won't be the last. But we uh, had a series of really horrible, horrible situations economically, <clears throat> relationally. And, and basically it was all because I just made some horrible choices that affected her, myself, my son. And um, so we had to scramble and I went into scramble mode and she made a great suggestion to me. We were living in Georgia at the time and she said, let's get close to your family. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was a great support area, uh, area with my family being around us. So we jumped in the car, literally headed to Texas. And when I got there, I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew I didn't want to do what I had been doing. How long ago was that? It's in almost 13 years now. Okay. So you were pa pastor for a lot. How long were you a pastor at the church? I'm a pastor. I was an evangelist. I traveled across the country. Yeah. Ah, I know those evangelist guys. You go out there getting people saved. Oh, yeah. Doing crusades like Billy Graham style. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I mean, you probably have 70,000 people in a stadium. I remember seeing Billy Graham when I was a young kid up at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. And, uh, man, I mean, the guy had like 60,000, 70,000 people like in a stadium. They don't do, they don't do that anymore. What? Like... 
I guess some of them pro- spoke to 70,000 my combined life. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day somebody will listen to this podcast and maybe there'll be 70,000 listeners one day. So, so you did. So how long were you an evangelist? Uh, about seven years. So you, so you were consistently on the road all the time, all the time. Now, were you just out by yourself going from, from place to place or did you have a group that you were traveling with or? No, I would have some people come in at times and sing. Um, but I mean, it was generally just me going and I'd stay somewhere from a Sunday through a Wednesday, get Friday, uh, I mean, Thursday and Friday off traveling and we were back to the next venue. So were you pretty much like, cause I grew up in church. I grew up in a Baptist church. Did you just pretty much go from church to church as like a guest speaker or yeah. And it was usually for four days. So I'd start on Sunday and even on Wednesday, we call them revivals. Revivals. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever go to any Baptist churches? Uh, yeah, I did actually. Uh, now I had to tone myself down a lot <laughs> for, for Baptist. Yeah, for the Baptist, you know. Yeah, out of the Pentecostal movement, everybody. Oh yeah, you guys are hooting and hollering and like doing all kinds of. Didn't do was carry and mess with snakes. I didn't mess with any snakes. <laughs> so I grew up in Canton, Ohio. I don't. I know you probably know where that's at. Um, Canton Baptist Temple, and uh, up in Akron was Ernest Angley. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, baby. Yeah, baby, <laughs> baby. I remember like watching that stuff on TV and thinking, you know, my mom's like, turn that channel off. He's the devil. <laughs> I'm just like, I always thought that was interesting. And I remember my grandma always loved when uh, the cathedral quartet, remember the cathedrals? Yeah. And they would come to town and uh, the bishops. I don't know if you ever heard of a group called the bishops. Um, but, uh, yeah, have you ever, were you ever through Ohio at all? Maybe I ran into you. I don't know. My grandma always had me at any revival she could. I, I, I spent most of my time in the South, obviously. And yeah, they like it. They like that accent better down there. <laughs> yeah, they taught it to me. So that, so you went to the insurance world and were you just like your typical insurance agent selling like property casual stuff? Like we, we actually focused my latter part of my career is in casualty property, but at the first part, of it, I was in individual stuff. So I was with a company that did supplemental insurance benefits for big companies, big, big, big companies. And so my last company I was with, we partnered with AIG um, and we installed supplemental products, voluntary products to their employees. And, uh, you know, it came kind of to a grinding halt. And they wanted me to move to New York. And you can imagine a lot of things, but me in New York is not one of them probably. And so I declined. (laughs) (laughs) And that thrust me. I got to Texas and my nephew's a builder. And he goes, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. And here's what he said to me, Benny. He goes like, you ought to try roofing. And listen, we were flat below broke. And I looked at him and said to him this, life is not that bad yet. No one gets in the roofing because they want to. So what? Were you just not that good at selling insurance or what? Like, how come you didn't have any money? Company, The company that we were with, that, that I was with, got fired basically from AIG. Um, and they wanted me to stay and potentially relocate. But I'd ha- I just had enough. I mean, I, I just had enough. And you, and you had a son too? How old was your son? He's 31. 31. Wow. Okay. So he pretty much spent that whole career. Yeah. Like doing that. He saw you there and I finally talked to my nephew again. He introduced me to Brandon Smythe, Ken Elliott roofing and, uh, Burleson, Texas. Now he's in San Angelo, but still a good friend of mine. And he introduced me to roofing and 
you know, I started knocking doors, uh, getting up on roofs I didn't belong on, meeting adjusters. I mean, I learned this business from the ground up, and I had a great time doing it. What I had, what I was really, really good at was getting deductibles because I knew how to tell that story to homeowners in a way that most roofers in Texas didn't. And so from there, people started asking me, hey, can you come in and teach our guys how to get deductibles? And you know this, Benny. I mean, the deductible is the most profitable piece of a claim. And so if you're just like in Texas, everybody give it away plus the television. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it's just craziness down there. And so kind of got a little reputation and it ended up getting called and did some work with the big MRP and uh, worked for another couple of MRP, tell the listener, because again, I'm not doing a roofing show. Um, a lot of my, my, a lot of my listeners don't know what MRP is. What's MRP stand for? Repair company. Okay. And what it does is they kind of stand between the carrier insurance company and the homeowner and really help them, help them mitigate their damage and loss. So they get contractors and other things like that. So I always find it. I, I got finally I got to meet Beacon. <laughs> so I, I always find it interesting. Because I, you know, when I, I listen to pastors, I listen to evangelists, you know, it's, you're one hair away from being a salesman, right? Like you're like, it's like, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Between like, you know. Well, I don't think it's a fine line. I think we, we absolutely sell. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's about, it was about eternity and you really sell people on the idea of making a choice and a decision. So, I mean. But it's like the ultimate, it's the ultimate closer though. Like that, especially, especially Southern Baptist preaching. Like I'll, I'll never forget, man, they would get up and I listened to Jerry Falwell before I listened to some other great ones and, and they would basically just stand up there and keep saying, come, come, come. every head bowed, come. every head bowed, every eye closed. Yeah. Show of hands, you know, All right, where will you end up? I mean, it, it, it was a pretty defined script, you know? Yeah, and they all have the same one too. I mean, and uh, it was uh, that's so interesting. I love you even more, Reggie Brock, getting to know you because that's because uh, my I grew up my whole life, my grandma taking me to places like that. So what um, you know, you mentioned you you overcome some adversity and you you overcome some tribulations. Any any that you care to share? Yeah, I mean, most people who've heard me know our story. I mean, I I, I for a great time in our marriage was a horrible husband and a horrible father in so many, many different ways, financially, emotionally. I mean, I just, I, I, I was just selfish to the core. You know, I had, I had decided that my way was the only thing that mattered. And if I carried people along with me, as long as they didn't keep me from it, then I made good decisions. But I, I just made some horrible decisions. And one of the decisions that I battled most was telling the truth. You know, I just, I, you know, if I felt, and I could point back to why, but I think, but the fact of the matter is I would avoid confrontation thinking that if I didn't tell the truth, it would go away. I could hide it. I could kind of, which is kind of what spurred me into what I, I, I talk so much about today and that the importance of vulnerability and honesty and speaking the truth Listen, your lies will catch up to you. I don't care where you are. You think that you're invisible. My wife used to tell me this all the time. You think you're invisible and undetectable, but the only person you're fooling is yourself. And so that's what I tell people all the time. You may be a good con man now, but one day that wicket's going to be burnt to the 
core and you're going to have to be accountable and responsible. And that's what ultimately happened to me. I had a day of reckoning where I had to decide, okay, I'm either not going to turn a new leaf. I'm going to turn a new direction or I'm going to lose everything that's important to me. And that was my wife and my son at the time. Look, man, we can all get jobs and make money. But the fact of the matter is when you lose trust and you lose honesty and you lose accountability inside of any relationship, the thing is doomed. And so there may be people listening to this this podcast today who who, who only person they're fooling is themselves. <laughs> they think that they're going to be able to get something more uh, than what they have by not being honest with the people they say they love. You're going to have to screw that head back on the right direction and realize that you can only have produced in your life what you've sown. If you sow wickedness and you sow evil and you do things that are dishonorable, your crop's going to follow suit. And so for me, I just decided enough's enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not wrecking any more lives. I'm not going to do anything but speak the truth. And then rebuilding can happen. And let me tell you this. It didn't happen overnight. I mean, trust lost is hard to regain. That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, what was that your choice? Like you, you're the one that said, Hey, I got to do something about it. And you came, you like, you, you decided that on your own or did your wife and your son say, Hey, Reggie, you gotta like, you gotta get it together. Or we're out. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was a combination of both. Listen, somebody can give you an ultimatum, but until you decide you're going to take action on that, nothing matters. So, you know, there was a combination of both. They were like, you know, <laughs> You got, you got to get this thing squared up. And I'm grateful to God that my wife said, okay, we're going to work on this. As long as you stay honest with me and as long as you do what you're supposed to do, it ain't going to be easy. But we're not, I, I, she told me that she said, I said till death do us part. She said, don't make me be the one that puts the death in this to you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's a good woman right there. I was going to say like, she's got, uh, she probably had to hang in there, you know, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. And, uh, and how long ago was that, that you, you made that decision to, to just uh, 14 years ago, 14 years ago. And then, and then shortly after that, you got out of the insurance business. You said, I've had enough of that. And you moved to Texas and got on a roof. And when people, even when they change locations or job, until they change their heart and their decisions and their choices, you can go wherever you want, do whatever you want, but until change occurs, until you decide to make better decisions, like for me, I had to make better decisions. It didn't matter where I was. Trust is only restored. Relationships are only rebuilt when you actually change your ways and make a hard, a, a, a hard decision that I'm going to fix what I broke. And that's what I did that was the smartest thing of all. I said, look, I, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I've broken this. I'm going to fix it. What do you think? What do you think causes that? I mean, do you think, is that something that you struggled with for like your whole life up until that point? Like uh, something personal inside of you that was it like a, was it a self thing? And it just like then spilled over and kind of hurt everybody around you. And I think, I think for me, a lot of it was early rejection. I mean, my mother left when I was real young and left me and my dad and my sister there to kind of fend for myself. And I said to my, I, I'll never forget this. I said, I remember saying this to myself, if she will reject me, 
Who wouldn't? If your mother would not, I can, I mean, I can, now, I mean, my mother's passed, but we were able to kind of uh, fix our relationship before she passed, which I'm grateful for. But the fact of the matter is, I never wanted to be rejected again. And what I really wanted is people's approval and acceptance. And I would do whatever I had to, to make that happen. And if that meant not being truthful or that meant doing something a little bit crooked, well, so what? You know, I, I'm going, because I palpitated daily regarding being accepted. My heart would just like constrict when I felt like somebody was rejecting me. And I felt full when people were appearing to accept my message or my style or whatever it was and it was just all facade and so until you kind of reach a point to where you go like you know what this is you know it's going to it's not going to turn out well in any area of my life and decide to make a, a decision and let me tell you something it's hard work and it's like, even still today, I have those propensities to like, go like, eh, who, you know, who will know that? Well, yeah, you're speaking of, the, I mean, <laughs> I know you don't know me very well, but I feel like when you were just saying that about the need for approval and, and not wanting to get rejected and always wanting to be liked and, and doing whatever you kind of had to do to be liked. Um, I can, I can definitely relate with a lot of that from my childhood, even, you know, like you said, even up till now, like, you know, there's still parts of me that like, you know, always want everyone to like love me. And now I've kind of learned a little bit that, you know, I just have to be my own man and I have to like live and do things, you know, the right way. And, and some people are going to like it and some people aren't. And it's a struggle every day, but it's, it's definitely a lot better on the other side. Once you decide to like, finally, like get your, you know, I call it, get my act together and, uh, you know, go live, you know, go live a good life. Tell me about when you got, go it's ahead. hard. Let me say this. It's hard to change the norm. If you're normally in, in a rhythm and a cadence of living, it's really hard. Even if, especially if you've made, had some success, supposedly living that way. Dude, it's like living, like if I'm right-handed, I did this. This was one of the crazy things I did when I forced change upon myself. I'm right-handed. But what I would do is I would make myself do things left-handed to enforce, reinforce into my head the importance of change and how change feels. So try, if you're right-handed, try writing left-handed. Okay. If you're right-handed, try eating left-handed. I would go different ways to work just to change my brain. And so one of the things that I tell people regularly is if change is not painful for you, I wonder how deep it is. Because it is, yeah. when change really happens, you're going to feel it. It's going to make you want to throw up sometimes. But until you can like, I called it right hand living in a left hand, I'm left hand living in a right hand world. So I would force myself literally to write left-handed and to eat left-handed and go different directions because it caused pain in me that reminded me of the change that was required to rebuild. <clears throat> wow. How, how'd you get so wise? I mean, like when you, you decide, I mean, obviously, well, I mean, and I guess you were in the ministry, you went to Bible college, you know, what, what do you think prompted that? Was that just pressure from your dad or is that just the, something, a family business you thought you had to do it? Yeah. Yeah. No. My dad, I mean, no. My dad never mentioned that to me one time. And, uh, so you were called. called. Do what? You were called. called. Yeah, I, I, I believe I was. Now, there was a confusion for me between calling and gifting. 
And I mean, so I think some of the gifting that I naturally had, I, I think, and if my dad hears this, which he will, he'll probably be. Nobody listens to my podcast. Your dad won't find it. Don't worry. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that sometimes we confuse the two, you know, because someone can maybe articulate well, somebody can communicate effectively uh, because they maybe dig and understand the Bible in a, such a way that they can present it to people that they think I'm called. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think they're always the same. I think you can be gifting in some in some ways and still not be prepared for the ministry. And I think that you can be prepared for the ministry and not be gifted in areas that most would think you need to be. I think it is calling, and I think it's it, it, it's something that um, that it comes from God for a specific group of people. Now, am I saying that wasn't for me during that time? Uh, I, I just don't think that I was mentally and spiritually propelled. I, I'm sorry, uh, prepared for a long-term commitment because of the uncertainty and poor decision-making in my life. Think about ministers that you know who've fallen by the wayside. Don't it's not because they became bad preachers. Yeah, no, they, they were still they were still very expository. Yeah, they were still very good preaching. It was a character issue behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. And because it's one of the most high-pressure jobs there is, because of the of the, the the people, you know, I remember a pastor at my church one time. They, you know, people in the congregation would write him nasty letters. They would like, you know, it was just all kinds of stuff behind the scenes that the public never sees. That I can only imagine drives men to do, you know, some interesting interesting things. things. Well, look at it our our world right now. The the people who influence have a tendency to be extremely good at communication. And they can convey and move a room. You know, I mean, they can get in front of people and have people eating out of their hands. What does that sound like? A Sunday morning in a Baptist church. You know, I mean, there's there's that dichotomy, you know, of like this gift. Is it anointing? Is it gift? Is it calling? Whatever it is. But when you can move people, there is a sense of power that comes along with that. But watch this. After that usually comes a sense of entitlement. My power can move you to something you have to give me. That's deep. And I, I, that's the first time I've ever thought about that. Now, but I'm like, you know, if, we, if there's a talent or a gifting that you have in particular that, that causes people to be moved. And you, and, and you know that. And I, I mean, my dad and I talk about this a lot. I walk in and I see some people speak. And the room is unaffected. And then I see others come in and that blow the hair back on people. You know, it's just like, oh my, it's just like electricity in the air. And so when you get to that point where you can speak and you start seeing people captivated and moving and just like ready to take action, if you do it the right way, it can create huge profitability for everybody that hears your voice. But guard yourself. Because if you use that power and that initiative and your ability to connect with people and abuse it, you're going to hurt them, you're going to hurt yourself, and it's hard to come back from either. I've told a lot of people that, you know, especially as, as a career in sales, you know, and in, in, in being able to influence people, it is definitely a skill and a power that you have to take seriously because it can be used, you know, for good and for bad, just like a lot of things in this world, but it's... uh 
It's a very interesting thing to think about, man. You, I tell you what, Reggie, every time I talk to you, you always give me something to think about a little bit deeper than I kind of would have thought of before. But uh, so let's get back into the roofing stuff because I find it fascinating. You know, preacher to roofer, you know, it's always a good it's always a good story. How long were you at the commercial roofing company before you got hired by the big corporation? So I never did commercial, everything. Oh, residential. Sorry about that. Okay, residential. Problem. Um, I was, I did roofing for eight years. Just, I mean, I literally knocked doors, sold roofs. So you started like what, 2009, 2000, 2010. That's right when I started. So how funny is that? Me and you are a lot more alike than we think. So I started in June. My uncle called me to Pittsburgh. I, it was June of 2010. Yeah. Is when I started in the roofing business. I started in June as well. I, we moved to Texas in May. <laughs> and in I better get my glasses on and get my hair a little bit gray, man. <laughs> we could be like twins. That's uh, that's pretty cool. And then how long have you been at Beacon now? Three years. Beacon, for everyone listening at home, is where I buy all my roofing supplies. And Beacon's, Be- yeah, Beacon was also uh, my relationship with Jim Stein, my outside sales rep. He's one of the guys that helped me get my business started. He opened me up a line of credit. That court, that that company, man, local in Pittsburgh and then national around America, has was a bit instrumental in helping me uh, get started. And then they they're the ones that introduced me to my relationship with GAF. I mean, they they've done a lot for me and I know they've done a lot for a lot of contractors all over the country. What, what made you jump from, from being, you know, a residential contractor to get the corporate job? Yeah. So Greg Bloom, Michael Carver, Justin Powell. Um, I knew, I met those guys because I was doing some training um, and really just training about some law changes in Texas uh, that were going to affect homeowners, their deductibles, and I was teaching it to contractors. And I, some way, somehow, I met Carver in particular. And long story short, he said, "Hey, man, why don't you uh, 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 why don't you uh, come into some of our branches and just talk to our staffs about how what they need to prepare for?" You know, the biggest problem I think with a storm and contractors is cash flow. So we spent a lot of talk, time about talking cash flow. I was working with a company at the time who would fund deductible, I mean, fund some the ACV and depreciation checks just to kind of help them. And so I, I jokingly told Greg not long ago, I'm like, dude, do you know how many branches I was I was in before I ever came to, uh, to Beacon? He said, no. I said, like 160. I mean, there's 500 across the country. My point is, I, I, I really knew Beacon and their people very, very well before I ever went to work there. And two years before I got hired, Greg, or a year before I got hired, Greg called me and said, hey, man, come to work for us and let's talk about it. And something kind of happened, and I didn't. And then three years ago, um, he pulled the, pulled the uh, let's get going card again, and I jumped on quick as I could. And the biggest reason is this. I think that Beacon is full of great people. Oh, they are. Oh, they are. I mean, and I'm I not mean, saying other companies aren't, yeah, yeah. but the people I work with every day are people that will have got my back mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. always helped me anytime I need them. And you know, and and to, I hear stories like yours all the time. You know, like I met Beacon, they helped me, and and again, I'm not critical of any of our competitors, but it's it's. I think that's a a story that's readily available all across the country. 
Well, what's interesting too is like Beacon, you know, and I don't know what it was like in Texas where you're at, but like Beacon acquired a small company up here in Pittsburgh and a bunch of other companies in Pittsburgh and it became Beacon like about, you know, 10 years ago. But it's like they have a knack though for acquiring these awesome companies, these smaller companies, and then their people stay and then like they become Beacon employees and like, and then the guys, especially the younger guys, you know, the guys, you know, like the, you know, uh, the 40 year old guys, the 35, the 45 year old guys, it's like, they're just, they just keep doing good work and they keep climbing up the ladder. And they, I just, I just watch these guys. And when you mentioned Greg blue, man, that guy, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years of coming to some events, man. That is one of the most amazing humans that I've ever met in my entire life. I don't know what it is about that guy, but he just makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. He, he's one of the top five people I've ever met in my life in terms in particular of, of his character and his authenticity with people. What you see from him is not a put on. No, I know. No, I, I mean, know. He's not trying to, I mean, Greg is the busiest guy I know. Uh, he married. His wife, Jill is awesome. She's awesome. She actually invited me to speak at Best of Success. I'm going to be down there to speak. I'm doing it in December. I'll be in Scottsdale. You should come watch. Watch. Yeah, it's uh, that's a power couple of roofing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's uh, did you know he handwrites? Did you know he handwrites like birthday cards? Do you does he handwrite birthday cards to everybody at Beacon? I heard Beacon everybody, heard? every employee. Like that's fascinating to me. <laughs> So I got to tell you one balloon story. The first national meeting that I was in, there was, I don't remember, oh, there was like two or 200 people there. I, I can't remember what it was. And everybody knows Greg. Greg knows most everybody. So he got up in front of the room, and he does this little deal that I'd never heard of, and it, so it kind of surprised me. Benny, he went around and named every person first and last name in that entire room, row by row by row. And about half of those people he had met one time. Do you think he got some special training on that or something back in the day? Like, do you think he's got, I got to ask him. We got to ask him the next time how he does it. Yeah, he's got a great mind. He can, It's like a bear trap, dude. And uh, I mean, he's, but it's so like, I, I jokingly told him I was here two years, never got a birthday card from him. And, uh, I finally got one this year. My son went to work for Beacon, and he got one like 30 days after he started. I'm like, seriously, Greg? You you can't get me a a birthday card? But, yeah, I got one this year. But what an amazing man. And Michael, uh, Michael. I don't know him yet. I, I've heard about I've heard about him. I probably seen him at like one of the events or something like that. But I don't I don't really have a good rela- personal relationship with him yet. So I'm excited to meet him. I've heard a lot of good things about him. Oh, Phil Townsend. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know Phil either. Again, you got to remember, I've been working hard in Pittsburgh, so I haven't been on like the national scene. I've been to you know I, I went to IRE to a couple Beacon parties over the last three or four years. I was at VOC last um, December, you know, in Orlando, and I've been just now, you know. So I was a Justin Powell guy. I know he's at Home Depot now, and Eric Zarazny, and uh, Greg, and and, and uh, you know, I actually, yeah, no, and Jamie, and Jamie, and Jamie, I'm in charge of marketing, man. Like it's. It really is a fun group of guys. I've never met anybody that uh, just doesn't really care about the company. Um, I love uh, John Massarelli. I don't know. You know John Massarelli? I, lo- I love him. He comes to visit me in Pittsburgh after- every once in a while. So that was uh, 
that was cool. But what do you do at Beacon? Tell everybody. Like, I, I know that you're like in, in national accounts. Like, tell me, tell me what you do there. there. So Greg is a VP of national accounts, and there's different segments at Beacon. We got government, we got retail, we got. Uh, I mean, there's just and Michael, Phil, and I are in the storm. Premier, we work with Premier Storm uh, contractors across the country, and generally those are the guys that have multiple locations. Uh, and we just kind of help coordinate, uh, you know, everything that they need in a, either a new market opening up or want an existing one. And so I'm on that team. I'm on the national account team in Storm. They have you. Um, they have you speaking at different events and stuff like that, or like what? Like what do you like? I start. I swear, I started start seeing you on social media like over the last year. I don't know like what was happening, but everybody kept telling me you got to meet Reggie Brock. You got to meet Reggie Brock. I'm like, word, word must be getting out on the street. Like, you must be, like, you know, doing something special. special. Well, I, you know, I don't know about that. But, you know, it's, it's like, I think that, I mean, first of all, Beacon has been awesome with me to, I, you know, um, very seldom that I go anywhere. I talk about shingles much, though. Right? So when people are asking me to come, it's, but I, I think people know I'm at Beacon. I picked up business because of those kind of relationships. But, I, I'm speaking more and doing, you know, people inviting me to come. But, you know, it's not really, I'm not talking about industry trade stuff. I'm talking about more personal development, kind of life coaching. Well, that's what we need, man. I mean, that's what we need more of. If, if you improve the man, the man will improve the company. The company will sell more shingles. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a, it's a simple equation. I know a lot of the manufacturers and distributors, sometimes they're so focused on the product you know, in the service that they provide, you know, and I keep telling the way that Beacon helped me was to help me like get to know more people, build relationships, introduce me to other tech companies that could help my business, different coaching companies, start doing that. And guess what? Eventually I just keep selling more and more shingles. They keep having to deliver more and more shingles. And it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting thing. One of the things that uh, I know you're into is this uh, this new event called Storm into the New Era. If you don't mind, share, share me share with me a little bit about that because I find that really really fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, Paul and Kim Reed, uh, you know them, um, and you know, two years ago, Benny, I think they had a. I think it was two years ago. I'm not sure it was. They had their first event in Denver, and I went to it. And I'm a conference goer like you. And so usually you get in kind of this rhythm and this, yeah, they're all pretty well the same. It's a great, always a great place to network, uh, you know, but, you know, it's just kind of, there's a lot of sameness to it. And so you get a little bit just kind of like, yeah, what's next? And and I, I walked into that, that conference there and I felt like that. I took that on. Like, I'm like, oh, here we go again. What time is it? When can I leave? And from the first speaker to the last I was completely blown away because it was there was so much transparency and there's so much talk about this inner man and developing and growing our faith, our family, and then letting finances kind of take care of itself, right? I mean, this was really so much about the personal development of each individual there. And what was really cool is that there were great people up there on that platform that were talking about their failures and their struggles and their difficulties and how they overcame them. And it just, it was a breath of fresh air to me. And I've never been to one like it since. And so uh, this one coming up in September is like version two. 
and it's got some dynamic speakers coming in. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's really an opportunity for people to gather who are looking for a shift. And the shift that we're trying to kind of promote is a shift more kind of in an opposite direction than where most of the conferences are going um, and real uh, with a real strong emphasis on personal development. And, hey, man, this is one we want you to bring your wife. Oh, you mean you guys aren't going to go out and party? You're not going to be out partying afterwards? <laughs> Like all, like like a lot of the conferences, yeah, you know, it's like you know, it's who who who. I've been to a lot of them, and I don't want to speak ill of no, any, I but no, I, I was you. looking for something different, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I would love, and that's what this conference is. It's just it's different because I think of the way it's built, the speakers that are coming in. Look, there's no pitching. Nobody can talk about anything other than really what they've come from how they got out of it, and maybe some opportunity to share with others about that, that can help them. Things going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it because I, I have that little baby on the on the way, but uh, I'll, I'll be – Evelyn Grace. Grace, because we all need more Grace, and I always – I, I got to pick her middle name. Brittany got to pick her first name, and I was like, I'm going to pick this middle name. I want it to be Grace because uh, Grace, uh, Grace is an amazing thing. Um, so – so if so people you, are interested, yeah, tell them yeah. September 13th through the 15th in Denver. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah. What's the website? Is it storming the new era.com or something like that? They'll be able to find it. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to put something in the link to it. Uh, to it uh, yeah, do that. That'd but yeah, I actually, ju- you mentioned Paul and Kim Reed. I actually just, I mean, I've heard about them. I've talked to Paul a few times on the phone. I met him at wealth builder. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Amazing story. You know, he set up that roofers in recovery. He's got that awesome roofing company. He's got this conference going on. He's got the commercial roofing Academy. Like, I mean, the guy blows me away with how much, like, first of all, he's overcoming his personal life and then to be, and then 15 years. Yeah. As we're recording this today. Yep. I saw that on the, uh, on the Facebook and, uh, you know, they are, they are an amazing couple and they're on fire for the, uh, the mission to, to do, do more and have a bigger impact. And, it's, it's really interesting for me because like, you know, I've always been trying to figure out how to get around good people, you know, and throughout different times of my life, you know, I remember back when I was in my church days back in Canton, Ohio, I was always around good people, got straight away a little bit, you know, and, um, and now it's like, you know, and when you're in the roofing business, it's hard, right? Cause it's like, you know, roofers, you know, for the most part, kind of a rough bunch of you know it's a rough crowd because we're always looking for, we're always that second chance the roofing is our second chance and uh and, and we're third or fourth and a lot of roofing guys they don't really get along with each other in most markets because they get really competitive and but this is really a breath of fresh air because it's a bunch of a bunch of roofing guys and girls getting together for a good cause and, and and they have similar core values and they're trying to make an impact on the world. And, and that's something I'm, I'm man, I'm tickled pink that I'm in the roofing industry. I would, I can't even believe I'm saying that. If you would have told me like when I was 18 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have been like the roofer would have been like 87th on my list. Maybe, maybe 2087 on my list, but I am so proud to like own a roofing company. I'm so proud to be like, you know, in the roofing industry because of the movement that's happening uh, and there's something special brewing. And uh, the other thing I want to chat about real quick before we wrap it up is we have that when, the first time I actually really got to like talk to you, it was in our, we have this Wednesday morning uh, contractor fellowship, I think is what it's called. Right. 
And Jim Johnson uh, leads that, and he's a guy that I heard speak at a Ryan Groth conference, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ryan Groth and, and the way he lives his life. And, and Jim Johnson's the same way, man. They, they live their life, you know, with something a little bit of a higher calling, you know. And I know that uh, when they speak, you know, they speak from the soul. And, and that's always attracted me to guys like that. And on our Wednesday morning chats, man, there's a, it's kind of cool to have, you know, we have what, about 20, 30 guys that show up on a zoom call and we meet for an hour every Wednesday morning. I think that's from what, I think it's eight thirty to nine thirty Eastern time. And, uh, that's really been a blessing. And, uh, I know my, I always, I tell you a kid around me, man, my grandma would be so proud that I'm in a Bible study, you know, kind of with a bunch of guys in the same industry. And, uh, it's a good, it's good accountability, you know, and it, it, it keeps us on track and there's definitely a lot of good conversation in that group. What do you, what do you, how long have you been in that group? Been in that group? Since day one. So Jim actually was at Storming of the New Era, <clears throat> same conference I was. And right after that, he started that group. And so we've gone two and a half years now, pretty strong and steady. And, uh, what's interesting to me is this, it is an opportunity for us, though we have differences of opinion. That's an understatement. <laughs> hey, listen, we, ne- we never said we weren't hard-headed and very, very stubborn, you know, in our viewpoints, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you said that, and it's probably true. But, you know, I mean, even as diverse as our thoughts are, <laughs> um, there, there is a... There is a, a connection and a brotherhood that's been really cool. To get. I mean, to be able to call guys and say, hey, man, I, I'm going through this. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? You know, being able, our families to meet. We've got a October, uh, I think, like the 6th to the 10th. We're all going to meet kind of in an RV slash cabin retreat together. There's probably, I think, like eight or ten couples that are going to be there. And so... We're just trying to move past transactions in relationship and make them more meaningful. And I think that's what happens. Even though we differ in some yeah. thoughts, yeah. Um, the fact is it's a way for us to kind of get to know each other and support each other. And, and I, I'm going to say one other thing before we wrap. Well, and, you said something a little bit earlier. Never before, and I've been doing this same, this youth, same month, same year, I've never seen there be such willingness to share information and to help other people like I see today. I was at Jen's event Thursday or Wednesday of last week, and I spoke on a panel, and that's what I shared with them. I'm like, 12 years ago, you would have never seen something like this. Everybody's got theirs. They don't want to share because they sure don't want to lose share in their market because they shared something with a competitor, right? I mean, that's not the way it is now. I think there's a whole lot more people warm to each other to help and to and that makes me proud to be in this industry too. I uh, I hosted a sales training for my own team. You know, I do it every year. And I this past year in March, I decided to invite, open it up to the public, and see if any other contractors wanted to come. And I had, I think, seven or eight other contractors show up, and and people thought I was crazy. Even my own company, you know, even the people in my own company, were like, what are you doing? Like, we're gonna give away all the secrets. And I'm like, there's no secrets. It's just hard work. I said, like, there's no secrets. It's I don't have anything proprietary. I don't have anything that those other guys can't get. I said, except for our people, our people are our competitive advantage. Our processes, when they're executed flawlessly, we have great customer service. And at the end of the day, there's more customers than there are good contractors. 
So we're, there's always going to be a demand, and I've been a big fan because probably because of all the help that you know, you know, Beacon GAF they give me early on. When other contractors need help, like I just always feel like I don't know, I almost feel like it's obligated because I actually kind of it actually fills my soul to actually like teach somebody something else because I'm like finally for once in my life somebody's actually listening. <laughs> Like I went my whole life where no one ever listened to me. And they always said, Oh, you know, kid, you can't do that. No, you know, that's impossible. And now I got people hit me up in Facebook messages. Hey, Benny, how do you do this? What's your process for that? How do you do that? I'm like, wow. Like I just want to give, give, I can't, I can't give enough. I'm thinking like, just, and there's so many people out there thirsty. And I think one of the elements as you were speaking that I was reminded of, is that I think that we're learning to celebrate with each other, right? Just like we, I think that there's a shift occurring where we're consumed with helping not just ourselves win, but others that are good and kind and generous and willing and hardworking. You know, we'll pour our lives into somebody. And let me, let me tell you something. One of the greatest ways to receive is to give. And if you can give out, you don't ever have to worry about the give back. Let me say that again. If you can focus on the give out, you'll never have to worry about the get back. And so it's like planting seeds, you're gonna harvest. And so don't be afraid to really extend yourself to someone else, especially those you feel like are in need, that you can help, say one kind word to. I mean, I had somebody come up to me the other day at the Jen's event and they said something to me they're like, eh, probably were like, eh, big deal. But it meant so much to me that I, I, I couldn't even express to them without getting emotional. And they didn't even know it. But the fact is they were willing to. My question is, how many of us are really willing to pour our life, our resources, our abilities, our talents into somebody else without anticipation of gain? Once you get to that place, buddy, Life will turn, it's a good, and good. you'll see more than you could have ever hoped for. It's a good place, and um, you know one of the guys, I want to give a shout out to Joe Hughes. Joe Hughes is a good friend of mine. I met him again at a Ryan Groth event. He's the one that invited me to be a part of the Contractor Fellowship on Wednesdays. Is where I got to meet you really for the first time, and then I also got to meet John Dye for the first time. Like I've I've been a big fan of what he's been doing with the American Contractor Show, all the media that he does, all the content. I was always like, man, I wish I could do that one day. That looks like really fun and really cool. And here he is. I pop up on the screen. There's John Dye. I'm like, holy cow, there's Reggie Brock and John Dye, two guys that I've been dying to meet. And then wouldn't you know it, a couple of weeks later, I'm at John Dye's house and we're having dinner with you and your wife and Brittany and John's wife, Priscilla. And man, I tell you what, it, that was just, that was, that was, man, that just brought, I felt like I was in, I felt like I was in the senior high class at like uh, my height, my, my, my church. And like, I, I felt like we were just all fellowshipping together. And I felt like, I was like, it was surreal. It was like, I'm doing the same. Like I'm Those are the same. ties that bind, yeah. Benny. Those yeah. are the ties that bind that last and that you can count on and you can, that, that you can build off of and. So I would encourage anybody that's here in this podcast to take heed. And the heed is, look, man, you don't have to build your life for yourself and think that that's all that matters. You can, you can really start forging greater strength in your life by combining yourself into the lives of somebody else. Pour yourself out and watch what happens.
That sounds like a great place to end it. That was that was really good. But listen, I got five questions I ask every guest, kind of rapid fire. So imagine yourself on an island. Up on an island. Yeah. What restaurant are you gonna put on that island? Where Where do you want to go eat at every day? What's your favorite place? What's your Milo's. favorite place? Milo's Where's that hamburgers. At? Where's that at? Milo's hamburgers. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take me there someday. Maybe we have to. Maybe we have to have a little conference down there. They got a beacon down there or something like that. We can go talk to some contractors. Contractors. Uh, All right, Milo's. All right, what book are you taking with you? Are you taking with you? Um, I'm. I mean, and that's probably corny to say that. They're not corny. I mean, listen. My last guest actually said that. I think you're probably the third or fourth. I've shot like thirty episodes. I think you're the third or fourth. So. You know, it's never ending. You can always get something more out of it. Every time you read something and it affects you in a different way, that's one thing I, I love about the Bible is like you, you can read it an infinite amount of times and you'll get infinite amount of wisdom from it. Amount of wisdom from I'll it. tell you a second. Yeah, go ahead. Give me the second book. Give me the second book. I would get I would get the gap in the game. I just saw someone post that about that the other day. I think, eh, I think somebody, I can't remember who, I think it was John Dye that maybe posted about that book. All right, so let's see. I did movie. No, I didn't do movie. What movie would you would you take with you that you could watch over and over again? Uh, oh, that's a good one. It have to be something with Will Ferrell. Like old school. I could probably deal right. with that. Elf right. or Step Brother. Talladega night. Well, you, if you're not first, you're last, right? <laughs> That's a good sales one. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. All right. So I did restaurant. I did movie. I did book. All right. If you were able to take one vacation and go anywhere in the world, where would you go? I'd go to I'd go to Ireland. I mean, Ireland is right. the home of golf for me, and I've never been there. And I, you know, that's on my bucket list. And you got 24 hours. You're allowed to spend it with one person. It could be past, present, or future. Who would you spend it with? If I had 24 hours left? Just 24 hours. You're allowed to have one guy. You remember, you're on an island by yourself. You're allowed to have one visitor for 24 hours. Who, who you got? No doubt. Well, listen, man, it's been a really, really like pleasure to have you on this episode, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And we're just getting, well, we're just getting, we're just getting started. This is like, this is like the official kickoff announcement of the the Reggie and Benny show. The world. Maybe we'll start our own podcast together, and you know, like we could, we could really we could have some fun. People will probably take more of you, but th- I think they've about had enough of me. Nah, no, no, no. We listen. I love, I love that southern accent, man. I'm like mesmerized by it. It just, it kind of draws me in. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what? How do they find you? Are you, you on social media, right? Reggie Brock on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I mean, I'm battling you. You on LinkedIn, Reggie Brock? Yeah, Reggie dot Brock at b e c n dot com. Right? Yeah. Cool. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, and uh, we'll be back next Friday with another episode of the Big Fish Cares podcast. If you got any value out of this. I'd really appreciate it if you liked it, shared it, posted something in the comments. Let us know that you're listening. If you got any questions for me or Reggie, we'd be glad to answer them for you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares podcast. It's our passion to help share stories and journeys, to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. 
Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time.